like to ask you a question. And it's more a question to imagine something. Would you imagine, just for these next few moments, if God called you to plant a brand new church in northwest Chesterfield? If God were to call you to plant a brand new church, what would you do? What steps would you take? Here are some thoughts. I, as I was processing the question, certainly prayer and discernment would be at the top, seeking the will of God and the place and uh, the people we would desire to reach. There would be research, uh, demographics, understanding the culture and the community, sort of like a company would do if they were doing a new product launch. What would best reach the people in that area? What kind of worship would draw them? Perhaps we would create a set of core values, mission and vision statements, establish some networks and partnerships, perhaps with our denomination or other nonprofits that we could come alongside and work with. There would be financial stewardship planning because any, anyone knows that a new church would uh, require a financial base. There may be some legal requirements or building codes or other regulations. And based on the people in the community, there may be some language that we would need to learn. There are many different cultures and languages right around us. We would engage in community outreach to build relationships, to let the folks know that we care about them and that we want to meet their needs. There would be discipleship training, leadership development, and of course, anyone who's been on a mission trip, whether in the United States or beyond, knows that you have to be flexible. Any trip that I've been on, the leader will always say, adapt and be prepared for the unexpected. And there would be continual prayer and dependence on God. That's a pretty thorough list for you and me to start a new church if we were called to plant one. And if we had time today, we could think of a lot more things that we would put on that list. However, if you stop and think about it, it sounds a lot like Huguenot Road Baptist Church, doesn't it? We are a mission church. We may have been started 60 years ago, but we are just as much a mission church now as we were then. It's a different time. It's a different season. The country and our community, uh, we have been through a lot over 60 years. But at the end of the day, what's the difference between a church started in India or Indonesia or Liberia or Belize or China, or Las Vegas, or Detroit, or the eastern shore of Virginia, or Bon Air and Richmond. Perhaps every church should think of themselves as a mission church. And if every church is a mission church, and I believe it is, then wouldn't every member be a missionary? I'm here today to submit that every one of you is a missionary called by God. Every child 
every adult, you are on mission for God. That's what our vision statement says. If you look over to the right of the sanctuary, missions. And our vision for missions, we are on a mission with God. And I believe every one of us is called to be a missionary. I wonder if you've ever thought of yourself as a missionary. Maybe you haven't. I wonder if we don't think of ourselves as missionaries because of the traditional way we've thought of missions and missionaries over the years in Baptist life. Traditionally, in especially in past decades, we've given to missions. There's a missions offering, and we give to missions, and we write a check, or we give electronically. Or we see missionaries as people who are sent to faraway places to start churches and schools and hospitals. Yes, missions involves giving. Yes, God calls missionaries to serve in faraway places. But missions is so much more than that. We are all missionaries. To be a disciple of Jesus means that we are a missionary right where we are. And we are called to, as Ron Heifetz, who shares this from a business perspective, to close the gap between the world as it is and the world as it should be. In kingdom of God language, to close this gap means thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in Bonaire in Richmond and beyond. We're talking about God on mission, and we're talking about we who join God on mission. Theologian Karl Barth was the first theologian among several, but the first one to articulate that mission is an activity of God himself. This led in the 30s to the belief that mission was understood as being derived from the very nature of God, that God is a missionary God, and the church is the mission of God. And theologians began to call this the missio dei. That's the Latin for the mission of God. And that's our big idea today, that the church big C and the church small c, meaning local congregations, uh, we are the missio dei, the mission of God. We are called to be on mission with God to go beyond ourselves. This is rooted in our theology. The triune God, one God, three persons, one and three, three and one, the triune God is always on mission. God the Father sending the Son, and God the Father and the Son sending the Spirit, and another movement of God the Father and the Son and the Spirit sending the church into the world. When you read the book of Acts, that's what's happening. All happening at the same time. Our mission is to participate in the mission of God. Our mission has no life of its own. Only the hands of the sending God can truly be mission. The missionary initiative comes from God alone. There is a church because there is a mission not vice versa. Because there is a mission, we are missionaries sent by God to be the hands and feet of Jesus 
to the church and to the world. At HRBC, we are on mission with God. There are two fundamental passages of Scripture that establish the mission of God through the church and the body of Christ. You will be my witnesses, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And in Matthew 28, 19a, he said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. You are to be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. Make disciples. I'd like, I'd like for us to read the context of each of these passages, and then we'll make some application as we seek to be on mission with God. First, Matthew 28, chapter 28, 19, and 20. Uh, Jesus, post-resurrection, gathered with the remaining 11 disciples. Judas had betrayed him. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As you are going, make disciples. Make followers who imitate me as you have imitated me, Jesus said. And do this beyond yourself. Go into all the nations. We know in Acts 1.8, Jesus would give specific instructions on how to do that. But he said, here, go into all the nations, and here's what you do. Baptize them. Bring them into the church family and help them have that symbol of their faith as a witness to others. And then teach them every, to obey everything I've commanded you. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and teach them everything I've taught you. And by the way, I'll be with you. It's under my authority, Jesus is saying, that you're doing this, and I'll also be with you to help you along the way. And then also post-resurrection, from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Reminded that after Jesus rose, he appeared for 40 days and 40 nights, ministering to people. People were able to see him in his risen form. And these two passages in particular were within that period of time. And then before he ascended to be with the Father, before the Pentecost day of pouring out of the Spirit, he said this to them. Luke is writing, Luke the author of Luke's Gospel and the book of Acts. In my former book, Theophilus, he's writing to this person, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of, that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 6, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
and he said, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. And then verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Earlier, go make disciples. And now he says, you are to be my witnesses. And here's the progression. Start in Jerusalem and make disciples there. And then there will be a time where you go beyond to the next circle, Judea, and then to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And through the book of Acts, we see the progression of the mission of the church as the Apostle Paul and others began to share the gospel all throughout the Mediterranean region in the Roman Empire. These are pivotal texts, and I hope that you'll take some time to read back through them this week as we seek to understand more about what it means to be on mission with God. Every single one of us is called to be a missionary right where we are. Some may be called to another place, could even be far away, but most of us, we will serve right here where we are. Here's some takeaways to be thinking about. If you want to take notes, there's space in your bulletin. First, God initiates the mission and invites us to join him. When you read back through the Old Testament and even through the New Testament, God always takes the initiative to call us. He did it with Abram. He did it with Moses. He did it with Isaiah. Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, just like we heard the choir sing earlier. And in the New Testament, Jesus called those disciples and said, come, follow me. To others, he said, come and see. There's an invitation from God, and we are invited to join God in what God is doing. Have you ever heard somebody say that we're going to take the gospel somewhere else? I'd like to have us think about that, because God is everywhere else. God is already at work. God is calling us to join God in what God is already doing. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, for example, that God created human beings with eternity in their heart. That God is already at work in every person and desires that we join him in that work. Second, God's mission extends beyond the four walls of the church. There was a day where you could just build a church, not unlike this, when we when back in, uh, in the day when Huguenot Road was started, you, you couldn't build it fast enough. You, Sunday school classes in the stairwell, Sunday school classes in the kitchen, couldn't build fast enough. And we are now in a, in a different age where we cannot build a church and just expect people to show up at 11 o'clock or in our case, 1030 on Sunday morning. That we've got to understand that the mission is beyond the four walls of the church. And if we're doing what God calls us to do in our ministry, as we shared last Sunday, if we are loving first, what would Jesus do? He would love first. If we are in our community loving first, people are going to come. 
God's mission extends beyond the four walls of the church. We are a dynamic people, not a static people. Both sets of commands we read earlier have to do with being dynamic, being in movement with God. We are on the know to know him in mind and heart. We are on the grow to become like Jesus, and we are on the go to do the mission of God. We might ask, what is no other church doing that we could do? We do a lot of the same things. What are, uh, is no other church doing that we might do to reach people whose needs are not being met? Something to think about. In my pastor's article last week, I shared some data from the Pew Research Center that says 28% of Americans have no religious affiliation. They are called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And the number one reason why that is, can't say this enough, they, the number one reason for people being religiously unaffiliated is that they moved to a new area and they didn't find a new church. Many of them, they're Christian They grew up in the church, but they moved to a new area, and they're busy getting the kids in school and getting involved in new work and new routines, a new neighborhood, and somehow they just didn't get connected with the church, and they slip away and get out of the habit of being involved. If that's the number one reason, then how many of us live in neighborhoods where there's a real estate sign that says sold? And when the moving truck comes in that we could just stop by with a gift bag from Huguenot Road Baptist Church, introduce ourselves and say, I just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood and welcome uh, to Richmond or Bonnie or wherever part of the county you're in and then say, here's a, a gift bag from our church. I'd love to have you come once you get settled in. And what a great way that would be to help reach some of the folks who have fallen away from church. Another survey from Pew, Pew Research Center, asked uh, the reasons why people look for a church. Number one, to become closer to God. Number two, so children would have a moral foundation. Number three, to be a better person. And number four, for comfort in times of trouble and sorrow. Pay attention to number two and number four. Number two is so that their children could have a found a moral foundation, a God-centered foundation, if you will. And number four, for comfort in times of trouble. Y'all, that's our bread and butter. Helping with family ministry, which, as you see, we're starting to experience new things. Philip, how 40 children in casts, children acting and singing together every Sunday afternoon, 40 Children and their families, uh, uh, I think 27 or 28, that are not affiliated with our church. What a wonderful opportunity. And then thinking about the needs around us of loneliness and hospitalizations, people who have lost loved ones. Y'all, that's our bread and butter. We have some of the most caring people you will find anywhere in any church. God has called us for such a time as this. These are in our wheelhouse, family ministry and pastoral care. This is what we're good at. And our mission is such a wonderful way to help bring people in and get them involved. People don't 
you'll find, I believe, that people don't care what we know until they know we care. People don't care about we know what we know until they know we care. Third, God's mission is incarnational. Incarnational means presence of Christ. We are the presence of Christ to one another and to our community. God calls us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the workplace, in the school place, in the neighbor place, in the Walmart place. God calls us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like I said last Sunday, C.S. Lewis said that we are called to be little Christs and to take a little Jesus everywhere we go. Number four, God's mission is both the social and personal evangelism. I don't believe that you can separate the two. I believe it's both and. Some people are either or. It's all about getting people saved and we'll leave the social stuff to somebody else, some nonprofit. And sometimes people get focused on social ministry and leave the evangelism to somebody else. I believe it's both and, that we are called to be the presence of Jesus, sharing the love of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, while we are meeting their physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. That's the importance of our mission. It's a both and, the social gospel and the relational gospel. We are missionaries right where we are. Called to be little Christs right where we are. How can we take a little Jesus to the people who are around us? I'd like you to listen to the words of one of our charter members, Dr. Felix Shepherd. He and I had a visit last week, a wonderful visit. You know, he's a retired professor of dentistry at Medical College of Virginia. And he, all, he and his wife, Dottie, who is with the Lord now, for 22 years led the Bland County Dental Ministry out in that part of Virginia. Raise your hand if you've been on one of those trips, if you've been on one of those. Some, some of you, I don't see anybody in the room who's actually been on one. Raise your hand high. There you go. Several. There we go. It's, it's um. It was a wonderful ministry that he and Dottie led and that lots of our folks prayed over, gave over, and many went. And he told me that it was such a blessing to, for him to see children and grandchildren of some of the first patients who came to the clinic. He said when people started coming to the clinic, they wanted all of their teeth removed because they had no hygiene. There was no dental, ongoing dental care in many of the households. And by the time he retired and the last year of the ministry, he said those folks were coming just for routine maintenance. That because of the work through Huguenot Road Baptist Church, through that dental clinic, that people not only learned some good habits for their dental hygiene, but they also learned about Jesus. And so many relationships were built in that part of the, our commonwealth through that ministry. And Dr. Shepard told me this. He said, Bob, he said, it takes all of us. He said, if we are faithful, he said, don't worry about the numbers. 
if we are faithful, God will take care of the numbers. Repeat, repeat that. Don't worry about the numbers. If we are faithful, God will take care of the numbers. He said people need to pray. They need to keep giving. They need to go and serve. So you say, Pastor Bob, how can I get involved in the mission of the church, the Missio Dei? Next Sunday after worship service, our missions pillar is hosting a lunch followed by an opportunity to serve Caritas. The guests are not here, but we're packing lunches for them and we'll be building some furniture for them. Caritas is congregations around Richmond involved to assure shelter. These are people who are experiencing housing insecurity. And we've had a long-standing relationship with Caritas. And it's a wonderful way to get engaged in making a difference, being the presence of Jesus, his hands and feet. There will also be opportunities for you to talk with Caroline and Wilton Johns, our Mission Pillar leaders, to see other ways that you might be able to get involved in missions here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church. Sometimes missions, it might be your starting point. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus, get involved in missions. And you'll find that you'll want to be part of it. Would you pray with me?